Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers' Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writer's Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Guys, we have an amazing roundtable. I'm going to let you introduce yourselves uh, so the listener can differentiate your voices and know who you are. So, Misha, please say hello and tell us uh, some of the things we may know your name from. Hi, I'm Misha Green. Uh, I am a co-creator of Underground on WGN, and I've been on a bunch of other stuff, Sons of Anarchy, Heroes, Helix, all that good stuff, Spartacus, can't forget that one because it was awesome. Cool. Hi, I'm Danielle Sanchez-Witzel. I am currently the showrunner of The Carmichael Show, um, which is an NBC half-hour comedy. I was on New Girl before that. I spent four years on a show called My Name is Earl, a bunch of bad shit that you won't remember. Oh, we're going to talk um, about it. We'll talk about all the bad shit. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm Jake Fogelness. I uh, uh, have written on uh, Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp. Uh, I uh, am still a consulting producer on Difficult People and uh, was recently a co-producer on Girl Boss for Netflix and uh, just finished uh, being the showrunner of a new series for Comedy Central called Corporate, uh, which uh, will be out sometime. At some point. Yes. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you guys specifically about Show running. Danielle, is Carmichael the first show you've run? It is, yeah. Okay, good. And Misha, what was your show running responsibility on Underground? I know you were working with Joe on it, who has been on the podcast. Um, My show running responsibility was that when I said, I don't feel like paying attention to that, he would go, I guess I'm going to. to (laughs) (laughs) What was the stuff that you were, that you did feel like paying attention to? Um, Writing, creative stuff, all of that. (laughs) Anything else, you're always just like, I'm so bored with this budget talk, guys. We're still going to do it. So (laughs) why do we have to get on the phone for it about five times? But no, we're co-creators, co-showrunners. We do everything together. Mm -hmm. We're those people with that office next door, that connecting door, and we open it and we're like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Spending all of your time together. Yeah, I'm like this. It's it's what I say to his wife, Jess Pekaski. I'm always like, I'm kind of like, I see your husband more than you do. Yeah, she's the other woman. Yeah, I'm like, it's weird. <laughs> um, I want to hear kind of from all of you guys about show running responsibilities and 
what you learned from previous experiences, like great showrunners you worked with, and you've all worked with really good showrunners. Um, what did you take from those experiences to apply to your own first-time showrunning experience? Yeah, my mentor was Greg Garcia. So he's the guy who created uh, My Name is Earl. And so I learned a lot. I mean, I think you learn in every job what to do and what not to do from good and bad experiences. That was certainly a great one for me. Um, Showrunning was described to me once as, as hosting a cocktail party. Huh. And I really, and that it really stuck great. with me. Yeah. <laughs> and there are ways it's great. And there are ways that it really <laughs> sucks. And it's so hard. Um, but, you know, I kind of, um, I think the the... It's managing people, which is so different because we all are just writing on TV and then one day you're in charge and it's like, holy shit, now everything is my job. And I think, um, I don't even remember what your question was. Sorry. Well, I don't what know. Did but you what did take the, from Greg? Yeah. I mean, I think from Greg, I, he kind of always said, um, they're looking for a general. That's what he told me. And it's the truth because you're making, I don't know what, a hundred decisions mm-hmm. a day, like literally. Um, and there just has to be someone who decides this is the direction we're going. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, but you just have to be confident and you're the final decision maker, you know, really creatively, but even with the budget stuff and all the yeah. stuff that Misha was talking about. Yep. Um, so I think I learned from him to just be confident, even in being wrong, just be co- confident because someone's got to steer the ship, you that know? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I was just recently thrust into show running and uh, my experience was I, I came on to a show that had three creators and um, you know basically they Comedy Central um, and they well they less but Comedy Central felt like well we need an adult in the room they had never made um, a show before they mm-hmm. had made this pilot but they had never you know gone through the process of making you know 10 episodes of television and and I had so I was designated as the adult in in the room um, and I um, I, I agree. I've, I've taken away from every sort of job, but Kay Cannon on Girl Boss really taught me that you can um, run a show and make it fun and make it happy and not have it be this torturous, miserable experience. And that it's just. I need to tele- talk to her then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I re- everyone should be so lucky to talk to Kay Cannon. Um, but it's and, interesting too. I mean, Kay yeah. was also a first-time showrunner. First-time sure. showrunner, but 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 I, I I really I really got to learn from her. And then also um, Michael and David on What Hot American Summer, which was you know sort of like my first narrative staff writing mm-hmm. job. It, it, it was um, they have their interesting dynamic, and um, we were all staff writers serving Michael and David, mm-hmm. and. Um, but but Kay and she was so gracious. She let me out. Um, the showrunner opportunity came out uh, came up, and she she let me out a little bit early um, from Girl Boss. Like you got to go do this, and uh, was just so supportive. And and um, and for that, I said I will be here every night and every weekend while I'm doing this show. And I did. Well, how I'm curious to hear how, and I'm curious to hear this from you guys too. How did she make it a fun and pleasant workplace? I think that she's just filled with love and light and um she the, sounds amazing yeah no she really I is like this is where i'm failing already love and light no nope, nope. well, i mean yeah. but it's that th- it's that thing of like um you know there's i always think about studio 60 on the sunset strip where matt albie comes in and yells at his writers and stuff and i think that there are um showrunners that that do that and and it's like i think particularly in comedy it's very important for it to be fun and yeah there's times where we got to stay late because the 
work needs to get done. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you structure it right, and and you, you can get out, you can get out at a decent time because people need to have lives so that they can, you know, come back and write. And that's mm-hmm. just what I tried to bring to um, – uh, the show corporate and and just you know and also you know th- there were three guys that had written this pilot together they were a tight unit and it was the idea of hey you know um we have these other writers perhaps we can assign them a script mm-hmm. you will get to take a look at that and rewrite every yeah. word if you want to you're well, allowed to do yeah, that that's and then, something i want to talk about too yeah. um but for you especially misha like for example on underground yeah. um you had a staff of writers. Mm-hmm. How did you guys use them? How did you guys run a room? And was it based at all on rooms you had been in? Um, you know, I feel like I, I know it wasn't based on rooms we have been in. I think when I was in those rooms, I wasn't really paying attention to how they were working, to be honest. So it's just like, cool, breaking story, love it, guys. <laughs> God, I got this idea. What about that? Um, I think, you know, it's interesting. The first season, we wrote nine out of ten of the episodes, Joe oh, wow. and I. And we said, we're not doing that second season. We did exactly the same thing. Really? Um, but our room is fantastic. I think, you know, what's really interesting with the show is that there's so, so much research. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the room is just like, what did you read today? Like, how did that apply to our characters? How can we put that in there? And then we just get so behind because I'm so into research that it's like, oh, great. Now we got to really write these really quick. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but the room experience I love because, again, it's that idea of best idea wins. Mm-hmm. And I just um, for me, I'm just like titles and all that stuff, blah, 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 come in. Mm-hmm. Who has an idea? Let's talk about it. When we start arguing and really having like intense debates in the room, I'm like, this is the best. Here we are. We've got the thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and so with you guys writing each episode, mm-hmm. were you depending on the room for story breaking? I think we broke a lot of it with the room, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it, the problem, again, is I love sitting in the room and breaking stories. Yeah. So it's that thing where you just get in there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, there's all this other stuff we got to do, too. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to happen at some point, too. Um, but we did, we depend on them to bring their voices to mm-hmm. the table. And I think that that really influences everything that happens, because when someone says, well, this moment makes me feel this way, and that opens, you never thought about it that way. Hmm. I think that just enriches and makes the project so much better. And it's whether they write the last word at the end of the day, they brought that word to where it was. Yeah. This is something I've been thinking about a lot in comedy is like the room is so valuable for those references you would never have, the the jokes you would never make. Um, Tell me about the Carmichael room. Is it a big room? uh, We're 12 of us, including Gerard, who's uh, Gerard Carmichael, who created the show, and it stars in it and myself. So it's it's about average for a comedy room, Mm -hmm. honestly, for a a network comedy room. I tortured my writers. I guess I need to talk. I need to talk to you guys about how to, (laughs) you know, our hours were terrible, and I said, we just finished our third season. Season one was six episodes, and between one and two, I said, it's going to get better, and then season two it was 13 episodes and the hours didn't get better and then I said well between 2 and 3 I gotta have this figured out and the hour, our hours were really shitty again so um, Wait, tell, it, tell for the how and why I can't tell you I can't figure out why <laughs> we're gonna get to the bottom of I it I knew why this will be a I've ther- stories a therapy session yeah, <laughs> what, yeah I mean our are hours are hours? off uh, ter- I mean just you just don't know day to day and you know the Carmichael show is a multicam which is there aren't a ton of them right now they exist and they're, they may be on the upswing a little bit they're half as expensive to produce first of all from a business standpoint 
point, but it's like doing a play every week instead mm-hmm. of doing a, a little movie. Um, and, and I love single camera too. They're both great, but because it's a play, you see it every day. And because you see it every day, you rewrite it every day. Mm-hmm. And because you have the chance to rewrite it every day, you rewrite it every day, you know, and it just, we, um, you know, and we, our show is very much a point of view show. So it's not big story turns. It's all about attitude and people challenging each other's attitudes. And it's just been a tough puzzle to figure out. And also, you know, my partner is the star and creator. And so time wise, he's on stage Mm, and then comes back and, you know, so there's a lot of factors, but I wish I could really explain why, (laughs) why it is, um, you know, if, if any of anyone on our staff listens, I have an idea why it's like that, you know, but yeah, we'll get, yeah, bring them in. Um, but it, it just is what it is. And I think Gerard and I are both dedicated to, and I think I'm sure we all are sitting at this table trying to get it right before it goes on television. I mean, it's, it's, um, so we'll take as many chances. We, we, uh, do kind of in the old school way, we shoot in front of a live audience twice. We have a four o'clock show and a seven mm-hmm. o'clock show. We will rewrite between four and seven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we really are taking as many cracks at it as we can to kind of, you know, just have it be interesting. Our shows are just, our episodes are conversations. And so I think that those tend to be difficult to figure out what the ter- what the turns are. Sure. So that may have been kind of, you know, where it all came from and, and I'm why. I'm really curious about the hours, though. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's late? I mean, I, I'll stay later than anybody except the writer's assistants who are there an hour later than me. But we're talking, you know, midnight, one, two, three. I've been home at 6 a.m. May, may um, I say something, though, yes. about, the, about the Carmichael Please. show? Please. Only if it's nice. I it's just inc- told you sometimes I, think, I get home at 6 a.m. I, I think it's going to be incredibly nice. I um, have watched the Carmichael show and um, have and, and I'm like, yes, this is a play. This is uh, uh, people sitting in a room having a conversation. And it's consistently funny and oh, moving, nice. the, food, moving the sword forward and jokes coming from character and a multicam and the great tradition of multicams like Taxi, which is the stuff that I grew up with. And I don't you don't see that in multicams well, that's today. That's the ultimate compliment. And, and that is what the Carmichael show is doing. So if you have to stay till one two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't have to. Yeah. I feel like we shouldn't have to. But I appreciate that. That's but, so but nice. No, yeah. but it really it really is because it's it's so nice to see uh, a multicam that's like your your episodes are about stuff and and um and and I would like to see that be the way that multicams go. Um, it's what they used to be. I really yeah. appreciate that. I mean, it really is the ultimate compliment. And certainly we're, you know, we're not doing something new. We're doing something old, but talking about modern things, which is just, you know, all of the shows, I don't know, I grew up on. I mean, even you go back and watch Cheers, which is one of my absolutely. all-time favorite shows, there are some heavy, there's some just real moments in it. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. all kind of joke, joke, joke. And, the, you know, so... Yeah, no, it's and and I think that I don't. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think it's tough when your your star of your show um, has to be on stage and stuff. And 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 this was, you know, even on Girl Boss, it's like there was a there was a certain overlap where we're writing, and then Kay's in production, right. and then the room just kind of stops. Yeah, you know, and yeah. then you know, I'm sure Gerard comes in, and then it's just like let's look at this in another way yeah. and then all of a sudden you're there late yeah. and it's just managing that stuff and I think it's particularly tough on a multicam uh, just because it is a play because mm-hmm. of the nature of that that beast he's right everything he said was smart and right so that's it you, na- you nailed it that's right um, the thing I do want to pick up from that is something I'm curious to hear about from all of you which is writing TV that is about something um, and I think you know having you guys here especially is we can really speak to that um Misha, was Underground, am I remembering this correctly, was Underground a spec that you wrote? No, you we, pitch uh, we pitched it and everybody said no. 
Oh, really? And then we wrote it because we were like, oh, okay. oh, maybe you don't get what we're yeah. saying. Good and then they were you. like, That's no, great. we definitely got what you were saying. And we still think it's a no. Um, what do you think people were responding to? You know, one of the biggest things was it's a history lesson. We were like, well, everything we're saying is the opposite of that. We're not <laughs> right. making it a history lesson. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was they were like, no one wants to come back to slavery week after week. And I was just what? like, well, it's not about the occupation. It's about the revolution. And I think everybody's going to love that. But, you know, I think it's a lot, too, of when you're trying to do something that's a little off the path mm-hmm. and people haven't seen it before and they ha- don't have anything to compare it to and say, look, this is the thing that this is like that's going to make it good. Right. It's it's harder for people to make that jump. And I think if you look at who's making the decisions mm-hmm. on these things. Yes. Um, it's also because they're holding this kind of sacredness to it. Like, we can't do a hmm. story set in slavery times about a heist. Like, it's a heist thriller with genre. Right. Like, it, we have to make sure we show the, like, sacredness yeah. of, like... It has to be the Oscar thing. movie version. Yeah. Right. So I was like, eh. And I'm, I'm that person that I'm like... There were a little bit of interest, but then I'd be like, mm, no, you don't know. You don't get it. You don't want to do it the way we want to do it. So I always go, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then WGN, they were like, we don't quite get it, but we feel like something's cool here. And I was like, I can deal with that. That <laughs> yeah. works for me. I'm yeah. like, because let me then. And they're honest, too. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I can deal with honest. Yeah. I can interact with you. Mm-hmm. I can talk about why this. Because, again, I'm best idea wins. If it's yes. your idea. Uh, sure. Like, for instance, the Making Seven was WGN's idea. Oh, interesting. Like, it was just two people running it first. And they were like, what if, like, there was like the there was like a group of them, and I was like giving me more reason to put black people on TV. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yes. letting the development yeah. process be an actual development process, conversation. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. And I, I love it. I love it. It is best idea wins, and I don't care if that is from a network executive or a, a staff writer or the creator of a show yeah. or me. I don't care. It's best idea wins, and and having that situation with a network, um, you know, be a conversation mm-hmm. like. I'm not scared of notes. I think if if you're scared of notes at this point, stop doing it because there's always going to be notes, especially the more money they give you. Always notes. There's always notes. It's like, right. now, I'm not really looking to do a $140 million blockbuster movie um, because I know that that comes with a lot of notes. But um, that's also just not the genre I'm sure. interested in. Um, but if you're, you know, at a certain budget level... Notes become a conversation, mm-hmm. and and um, they never scare me. That's great. I think those are. I mean, I think you guys are both super enlightened. Like, I think that the, you know, honestly, I don't know that that that's everybody's point. Certainly, I mean, you probably have to work for showrunners where that's not the case. You know, where it's not. And, and I also of that. I, I'm of that philosophy. So it's interesting that we all share that. That best idea wins, and I couldn't care less where it comes from. And you have to open yourself up to it. I've done my whole career in the studio network model, um, which may be why I've seen more often people just yeah. go the no to forget. You know, because I think you might be in kind of slightly more, at least you've both certainly worked in what we'd consider more I've never creative, worked in a network show. Right, more creative, you know, these things that yeah. sprung out of ca- even cable TV and streaming that came out of, well, some, let's do it differently, yeah. you know, somehow. And I just haven't worked in that model. And I certainly have worked with people who would just not take a note, just don't listen and don't take notes. And that's not a help. I don't think that that's a helpful way to do things either. So I think, you know, you guys are probably making the best shows you could possibly make because you're open to mm. all ideas. I mean, I do think yeah. that's how you do it. And it's ego, I think, that gets in the way. A yeah. lot of just, well, I'm not going to be told what to do, um, you know, and you guys are both obviously young. So that I think that that's, you know, that that actually might be helpful, too, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of just not being um, 
turned off by the idea not coming from yourself, you know, which I sure. think can can handcuff you and really kind of make you not do your best. But also, I'm always I have always found very from the very first job I did the idea of it not coming from yourself being odd because you get credit for all of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like it doesn't matter if yeah. it didn't come from you. Could literally and if it sucks, you get credit for all of it too. Yeah. And I'm like yeah. at you at the top of the year long, you could be like the staff writer, the staff yeah. writer, the staff writer came up with this idea, and they just be like tell me showrunner how you came up. With this <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the idea of being like oh the ego, I'm like you're in the spot to have the biggest yeah. ego. Like right. it's not no one's stopping you except yourself from that which is i always found yeah weird. i agree i think it's i think it's odd too we um just going back to the idea of talking about something you know being a show that that talks about something and i'm interested in kind of what what your path was because i think hearing you talk i was thinking it's your gut and that's actually something that gerard carmichael who's just who's um, not he just turned 30 i mean he's all you know um that was something i actually learned from him so i'm running his show but they're paying us for our guts really that's mm-hmm. what they're that's what they're yeah. paying yeah. us for is and and you that goes back to greg garcia and confidence and that whole thing is if they knew what it was they'd do it because who wouldn't want to do beyond this on the creative side you know, they're paying you to tell them, no, I don't want to be at this network. I don't want to be at this thing. You know, all the strong right. decisions that you made for your project. And I think a lot of times we as writers get, I don't know, bad advice or nervous or well, they won't make it if I don't do it this way. And they there's won't, you know, so they, much power. And no, yeah, there's and it just that's is where like, I'm at right now. Yeah, it's just like, what do I want to do next? Yeah. What, what's you know, I, I've gotten to this place and it's and it's given me a, a, a little bit of freedom to go no thank it's not even no it's yeah. no thank you or fuck no or, yeah or yeah i mean that's the best one to give it's like <laughs> i fuck have no i'm not doing well, that. i don't have fuck you money yes but i have um i don't think so right now yes, money. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah I mean, and i think i just think that that's such a that's where we should all be creating from and i think we got a little bit lost at least again i'll speak to studio network a little bit lost in ratings and but you know there were visionaries who used to just put on what they liked and leave it on sure. and and now i think that's what's happening at the streamings at cables mm-hmm. who are really defining themselves you know by doing a cool job fx is a good example mm-hmm. you know what's going to be on fx i would know what to right. sell the fx i would know what not to take to fx yeah i know what they're making and i think that's kind of what the networks you used to be and it's an exciting time and and i love working for network tv i like to try and make tv for the masses mm-hmm. i'm not done doing that yet i mean at some point i would love to go you know, try at these at the, at the cool places and see what it's like. But but I think you're also, I mean, with Carmichael show, you are making a show yeah. that somebody wants to make. Yeah, you no, we definitely could live very easily on FX. Yeah, I think I think that we I think that that was the thing that I learned from Gerard was that you can just absolutely say no and stand up for it and. And then keep moving. Like in the beginning of making this, the first few episodes, the network's biggest note to us. And we were going to be on in the summer. So we were under the radar a little bit, which mm-hmm. was a good thing creatively. Yeah. But their biggest note was, are you going to build more sets? Like, are you really going to just be <laughs> in the living room? Do you think you can sustain? And we were like, did you guys, have you guys yeah. watched television? Yeah, but, you know, television but I be? think single camera changed things so much. You know, and Seinfeld. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Seinfeld as a multicam. You Absolutely. Know, were, the scenes were so short. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. yeah. Like, these short scenes and it's like you know you know you think about wkrp in cincinnati yeah. what were the sets there was yeah. the dj booth there was the, right. the bullpen and then you know the yeah. big guy's office yeah i mean all of those great shows like you said taxi i mean the yeah, shows taxis. were just there were two places and so it was an interesting note to kind of get but i think because we were on in the summer they said 
All right. You know, did they did they think that, you know, police protests, I mean, they were interested in what we had to say, but I think that we just kind of got to do a lot of what we wanted to do beyond kind of those notes about sets because we weren't going to be on in the fall and there wasn't the pressure and who knew what was going to happen. And so once we kind of dug into, well, yeah, these are the stories we're telling and they're not going to be plot driven and they're going to be very small. And yes, there's only going to be one set and they're going to be hard to talk about issues. Once we had done the first six that way, it was hard for them to undo what right. was happening. You know, well, we had set, set a pattern already. What was it like to do that Cosby episode, particularly at the network yeah. where the Cosby show... It was show, really interesting, yeah. Like, they told us no. So to yeah. get back to your point right. again, so, yeah. they, we pitched it to them and they said, absolutely not. We're in the process of getting sued by right. him. We're not. And we, we said, what's he going to do, sue you more? I mean, you know, he's, already, <laughs> he's already suing you. And so they said, absolutely not. And so Gerard and I got on the phone um, with the president of NBC and we said, just let us write it. Just let's right. let's say there's a scenario where and again it's what you did but like let's 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 say there's a scenario where okay you've told us absolutely don't write this which they said and we could be burning time if we write this which they said and I said but let's just say I come back to you in two weeks and I say we've or a month or whatever it was I said we have a script will you read it with an open mind and will you send it up the chain hmm. and she said yes good so we did it and we worked so hard on it in the whole room and we broke it and it was co-written by Mike Scully who you know you guys know him but he's yeah. just amazing talent and Gerard they kind of co-wrote it and we sent it uh, right before Thanksgiving and we thought that's a fun way for people to spend their Thanksgiving right Um, and we waited and we were so just anxious and excited and then it took till I guess it was before the new year and they said okay you can do it and so it was really it was on the page and they understood they understood we said it's an episode that we promise you like his accusers could watch it and he could watch it and not be mad yeah. and um, or not be right. not feel attacked. We were trying to present all sides of the issue. Yeah, and then to really... NBC's massively, to their credit, they let us do it, you know, on yeah. Cosby's network, you know, on the network <laughs> that Cosby essentially built. So. I, I thought it was really um, brilliant and I thought it was... was uh... You're my favorite person. So <laughs> I'm so glad I came to do this. No, but I, and I just thought, like, you know, how do you do that? Having not worked in the network system and, you know, and I've heard horror stories about it. By the way, I'm open to working on a network show if it's the right network show. Yeah. I just went through um, the network uh, staffing process for the first time in my life, having worked on all these shows. And um, at the at the end of this staffing season, I said, you know what? I think I want to develop. Like, that was just sort of, the, uh, the, you know, yeah. because of what gets picked up and blah, blah, you know. And, um, uh, you know, but I, I, you talked about making television, you know, for the masses. And, and, and I think the lines are all blurring between what's a channel and what's a digital and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, that I think that we're all trying to to, yeah. to do to do that. No, I think you're right. Um, um, but I think the idea the idea of getting you know 19 million people to tune in to Twin Peaks at the same time yeah. it's just never going to happen right. yeah. anymore. Um, but you want your things to be seen. Yeah, you want your things to be seen. So I'm so glad that NBC allowed you. Yeah. To do that, and it's so smart to just say, "Why don't we just write it?" I mean, that's a, it's like Seinfeld did. I think had a similar. I forget which episode. Oh, I'm sure he had a ton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. had to talk about saying "fuck no." I'm sure they had a ton, a, yeah. a ton right. of uh, instances. There's a difference between Larry David saying it yeah. and kind no. of anyone else. Saying yeah, it. absolutely. absolutely. Um, I want to ask you guys about um, telling a personal story, uh, telling a story that only you could tell uh, through. The medium, uh, and and again, 
I'm I'm curious about uh, like Misha about your new series, which I know you can only talk about a little bit. I can talk about it a lot. Lovecraft Country. Good. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, Jordan Peele behind you on this. Yes. Uh, a bad robot in fantastic. HBO. Yeah. So that's oh, like that's awesome. a lot of entities. That's a good team. Yeah. Um, are you is are you able to make this a story that only you could tell? I feel like that's a very heady thing to think you can only tell a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that every story you tell is a personal story. Mm-hmm. So I think you can't, like, my version of a werewolf story would be different than everybody's version yeah. of a werewolf story at this table, but it would be about werewolves. So I think it's it's that. You just always, at least me, I'm very selfish in my writing. That's all. I'm just like, what do I want to, mm-hmm. what am I interested yeah. in right now? What am I doing? I'm never going, what is someone else going to be interested oh. in? I'm going, what am I into? Where do I it's like you can look at underground and one of the reasons it goes to like we did a whole episode that was basically an eight month pregnant chick revenanting through the forest and I did that because I was like you know what I'm really obsessed with her revenanting through the forest getting bitten by snakes all this stuff while she's pregnant and someone was like what made you think of that? I was like, <laughs> it was just cool. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think I'm always pursuing that. Mm-hmm. And I think in Lovecraft Country, it'll be the same thing. And it happens to be black people in genre, which is two mm-hmm. of my favorite things. <laughs> sure. But you can yeah. find your way in through just what do I want to see? What's important? Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what anytime any, again, making a show, it's your, your, when you pick five people, you pick those five people because yeah. you go, what are your interests and I think your interests will make this super dope. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what you're looking for in a writer's room and I think that's an interesting thing because people are like what are you always looking for in a writer's room and I'm like um interesting people mm-hmm. that's basically because yeah. I'm like writing I'm like eh writing you know I'm also crazy I'll probably rewrite a lot of it right. so it's always interesting and ideas and people and perspectives. Who do you want to be that's in a right. room with hours a day you know yeah. like and and, um, and and who can serve the show you know who can serve the show and who has cool ideas and and is is nice. I think mm-hmm. nice counts for a lot. Absolutely. Um, the same question um, about telling a story, making a story your own. I mean, yeah. you've worked on shows run by other people. You've yeah. worked on a number of these shows. Yeah. Were you able to find? the way to put yourself in these shows? I mean, I think that's when you're always at your best, is if you have some in and point of view. That doesn't mean you're telling a story that happened to you right. or anything. Like you said, all our werewolf stories would be, our end would be our point of view. I, I think sometimes we get steered away as writers from from our own point of view into trying to answer all of these things, be their network needs or whatever executive needs and or the or the or you know the fan base wants this or that you know and you and it's hard because I actually came up at a time where social media I'm so old where social media wasn't really so prevalent in the beginning of my career and then it really hit the season that it really hit for me was I was on a show called Whitney Whitney Cummings NBC show and and Twitter was just exploding and it was awful it was such a hard you know it was such a hard time to not be influenced by mm. what people were saying because there were like message boards and stuff before that but this was like directly I can go at Whitney I can go at you guys and tell you what sucks you know or what I want or what it is and it's very yeah. weird so I think all we really have to give as writers is our is our kind of clearing all of the noise away yes. perspective just what is my point of view how did i grow up what do i think what is it and so 
I think if you're working on a show on staff or you're running your own show, that's all you can, you know, the Carmichael show was really told through my Andrade's filter because that's what we had to kind of make it our own. But certainly when I wrote scripts for like My Name is Earl, which was about like a you know, a kind of a down and out white trashy dude, I still found my voice through him. Mm -hmm. I could still tell his story. And I think it's about, for me, it's about emotionally connecting. I don't, and there are great shows out there that aren't about emotionally connecting that could be fun to watch because they're funny or they're scary Mm -hmm. or they're whatever. I need it. And I've always needed a, I'm always watching like, I don't know why I do this myself, but I'll watch like a big, big budget, like, uh, feature fit like comedy, and I'm like, why can't they just put a little story? I don't understand. It's so hard. <laughs> they won't allow you to. Like, I don't need a lot. I just don't want the last two thirds to fall apart. I just yeah. why can't it you know keep moving? So I think for me, there's always emotional attachment, and like I said, cheers before. Like Sam Malone was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm running a bar, a former athlete who just wanted to be loved so desperately. What a great series of problems for me to every week emotionally connect with that guy and care what happened to him. He's so flawed. Like what a, you know, so I think it is always, you know, just about, yeah, you, you have to bring your own perspective. And if you're not, that's when you write shitty stuff. And I've written plenty of shitty stuff because I lost (laughs) myself somewhere, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And I think that's great advice for people who are Writing their specs now. Yeah. Is like oh, right from the gut. Center. Right yeah. from the gut. I, I feel like when we watch, I, I, on something you just said, when I watch these big budget things with no story, I have so much sympathy now because I'm like, it's hard. <laughs> oh, it's it so hard. It's, hard. it's so hard. I'm like, yeah. like before I was a showrunner, I'd be like, man, come on, guys. Yeah. And now I'm just like, congratulations on you finishing. Did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, I agree. That's, right, I mean, that's how right I. For getting there. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know um, w- with the Ghostbusters reboot, yeah. which, you know, by the way, I, you know, men should be Ghostbusters. I'm still <laughs> mad about that. That's my favorite thing to be mad about. It's the dumbest thing ever. But, yeah. um, you know, my friend Katie Dippold wrote that. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, but I challenge anybody else to go through the studio system totally. on a franchise movie yeah. um, that's budgeted at that level yeah. and do better than Katie and Paul did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see somebody yeah. else under those uh, circumstances. I th- it had jokes yeah. and it had ghosts. Yeah. What more do you want? <laughs> that's how I felt, yeah. you know, about, and, and it's like, you're ruining so my childhood. It's just like, how was your That childhood? was a bizarre, that was such a bizarre backlash. But there, there are so many movies where I walk out of and I go, I bet that's script was great. I bet yes, there was a time yeah. where that script Absolutely. was great. And then I don't know things and then you can't blame any one thing, but it happens with TV too, you know, but I do, it is, it is good to, uh, as we're writing to always tell ourselves, where is it coming from your gut? Because ultimately when you are in charge and it is so hard, you have to, like, I've turned down showrunning jobs before, not that many, but one or two, because I just didn't know what to do with it. I thought if this mm-hmm. was my problem and everyone went home or the table read tanked and at 2 a.m. I have to figure out what this is, if I can't figure it out, why am I going to run this? Mm-hmm. I'm not helping anybody by doing that, you know, and, and the same goes, is true for creating your own show. If you yeah. can't tell what the next thing, so many times they just buy stuff off pilots and then it's like, well, what's the next thing and the next thing? And if you can't tell, you're on the wrong road. It doesn't mean you wrote something bad it just means you might not have written a tv series you know yeah. i will Absolutely. never be one of these writers and i and and there are these these people and i and i respect them that every year they know how to they know what the networks want the broadcast networks will be like we want family drama you know family comedies or we want this and they go and they write that pilot and they sell that pilot and they, it's just what the network wants and then the pilot doesn't get picked up and then they do it again next year yeah. and i'll never be able to write that way. you can make a career doing that. i know I mean, you, I, can pay, seen, you can pay a mortgage doing that. i've seen people yeah. do it and i will never be able to do 
that because that's just not how my brain works. It's I have to emotionally connect to the material. Um, even on the dumbest comedy, like what Hot American Summer, you know, for example, um, yeah, that you, it couldn't be dumber. It's filled with jokes. But we can all agree that's the yeah, dumbest thing. It, it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but the reason why I think it works is because you actually do care about the characters, mm-hmm. and we never really lost the emotion. Mm-hmm. And um, it was sort of broken up by storyline, how we wrote it. It, it. It's one big sort of movie. And what I connected to was the – and ended up writing most of the Elizabeth Banks-Chris Pine storyline because I was, you know, a, a fan of Cameron Crowe's original Fast Times at Ridgemont sure, High book. Yeah. And, and that concept of, like, I knew that world and I could emotionally connect to mm-hmm. uh, uh, Elizabeth Banks being 24, in, I say in air quotes, and working <laughs> yeah. at Rock and Roll World magazine in New York and going undercover at a summer camp. Um, I, I just – remember being like can i can i take that and michael and david going yeah you take that <laughs> you know that's that's your thing yeah. and um and i have to yeah i have to emotionally connect uh, otherwise i'm i'm, I'm uh, useless like i did punch up on a, a a movie thing um the other day and it was one of those weird situations where they call you in and they're like we want some jokes and stuff and I couldn't couldn't have been more useless. <laughs> I couldn't have been more but useless. But they paid you anyway, didn't oh, they? Oh yeah, they paid me you gotta anyway. I love this business. They you know, paid you anyway. They, yeah, and um, but it was but, but I did it just because it was so outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. That I was like, well, let me go see what this is like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think I was useless. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, Misha, about finding the emotional connection or the way in on some of the previous series that you worked on, whether mm-hmm. it's Spartacus or Heroes or Sons of Anarchy, and connecting with either those characters or those worlds. Well, see, I feel like I I don't have to have an emotional connection to something to write for it. I think what's so interesting, which was one of the things being a staff writer on all these different shows, where it's just going in and soaking up the vibe and being like, Mm -hmm. oh, you think like this, you like that. Oh, let's do that. Or here's maybe like this. What's the best? The idea of if you're living in a box, what's the best version of this box, Mm -hmm. I think is a thing that made me a good staff writer, you know, Um, and so I just would step in. I go, cool, what do you guys want to do? What kind of stuff are we doing here today? Because, yeah. again, I just like to sit around and vibe and be like, great. I have really big opinions now. But at the time, <laughs> I defi- I'm i like, I can look back and go, man. I was like, man, no. I would just be like, oh, you need me to write that story? I'll write it. Right. You need me to write that story? I'll write it. And I think there's definitely value to that in a, in a writer's room yeah. for sure. Because sometimes you just need somebody who can pick up the ball mm-hmm. and shoot the basket. I, not, you know? I couldn't agree more. Um, so I think that that, to me, all those shows, I was just like there being like, cool, let's do something cool. What's cool to you? Let's do that. That's yeah. fun. You know? Um, so I don't think I had to find an emotional way into everything, but maybe that's a complete lie. And maybe everything I did was an emotional no, way. No, I don't think, I I don't think that's a complete lie. I mean, I think, I, I think that's a really good advice, certainly if anyone's listening who's like, is starting out in their career. Yeah, because back, be, yeah. being, a, being a staff writer, even early, all early on, and honestly, all the way up to Coe P, you were supposed to go support the vision of the person who exactly. created it. And so your emotional track may take you in a 
totally different way, but you're going to have to tuck that in or figure out how to let that complement what the creator is doing. Otherwise, you're not going to work anymore. Because, you, you <laughs> right. know, until it's your show and you get to be the showrunner, that you know that isn't that isn't what necessarily what you're there for. You may be leaned on heavily for whatever the thing is, but it's really important to be able to mimic. I think too, I think too many young people are being told to write pilots, it, and I it makes me kind of nuts because I think having a really great spec of an existing show and it has to be like a current show that people are going to be right. interested in shows I can go do what the job of a, of yeah, a staff writer right. is more than a pilot does. I learned that day one yeah. and and I, and as as much as I like to write from an emotional place it's I you have to know the difference on what is a Michael Showalter and David Wayne story mm-hmm. what is a Kay Cannon story what is a Julie Klausner story what are jokes that they like and right. I have been very very lucky that I've been able to adapt my voice like I know how to write to a creator um, and serve a creator. And I take a lot of joy in that. Um, in fact, it's my favorite thing to do. And in the showrunner experience, it was really me going, how do I help you make the show that you want to make? Mm-hmm. Um, this is your show. I'm not coming in here to dictate. Um, and I don't know if you had a, a, a similar experience with Gerard. And it becomes very collaborative at yeah. some point. But it was like, how do I make your dream come true? Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, you could, you could do hours of podcasting on uh, running someone else's show and coming on, you know, to, to do it. But yeah, I mean, this is a collaborative medium. If you don't like to collaborate, then television isn't for you. Even in the scenarios where someone might be, you know, the showrunner or the top few Mm -hmm. people might be running, uh, might be writing a lot of the episodes. It's still very collaborative. Everything is happening in the room. At least that's always been my experience. Every voice is valuable. Um, And so, yeah, I think that there is a certain amount of definitely you have to have that attitude of, okay, let's figure out what this is. And certainly, Gerard and I had a, a, a learning curve that we had to figure out quickly about how are we doing this and what's my vision, what's yours, and what ultimately what are we doing. So, I call it the ice cream story. We had a staff writer who would pitch that one of our characters would have, the overseer would take one of our enslaved characters to get ice cream. And like it was the first time it was said, I was like, mm-hmm, okay. Um, and then he just kept pitching the story. And I was like, this is a little bit of the thing. You have to read the room yeah. or yeah. Uh-huh. even the creator. Yeah. And you could see this ice cream story is not going anywhere. Right. If you pitch it in different versions, yeah. you got to find something else. Right. You, you know, and the thing is at the end, like he, <laughs> so he pitched this for the like 50 million time. And I was like, I hate ice cream. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> like, did you know this about me? And he was just like, you're lactose intolerant? I was like, no, but clearly you need to be pitching this story. Yeah. But it's that. I was like, yeah. if I was lactose intolerant right. and hated ice cream and you keep pitching this ice cream story and not getting that we're not for the ice cream story. I'm like, that yeah. is, you know, your job as a staff writer in the room is to go, okay, I put that idea. Don't ever be afraid to pitch your ice cream mm-hmm. story. But when the ice cream story doesn't fly, mm-hmm. there's another idea. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Do not be precious. Yeah. You cannot Time be precious. New. Yeah. Um, let me uh, sidebar very quickly. Yeah. Uh, you have written specs of existing shows early in your career. I did. I what got did it. you write? I was uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm old. I told you I'm old. Mm, yeah. Great. But that's Look, I, I, I wrote a Will and Grace. There you go. Well, there, that's it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and I and I just think that that's um, yeah. I just I think that. Look, you have to have a pilot. You're not going to mm-hmm. get an agent without a pilot. But I just think you're you have a better chance getting a job. To me, 
off of, I, I don't know, off of something that exists already. That well, there's showing, real value in it. Yeah, there's in, value in showing, Even just as an exercise. Because I think the hardest thing to do is break stories. So what that is allowing you to do is just come up with a great story of a spec and then show, okay, I can mimic the voices of New Girl. I can get Schmidt's voice. I can do the right mm-hmm. jokes for Nick. I can do all this stuff. But here's my great story um, that they haven't told yet that works. Mm-hmm. You know, where a pilot is just such a high degree of yeah. difficulty anyway. And yeah. then you've got to show, and I can tell a story, and I can tell for comedy and jokes and I can do this and you know it just it's it's near impossible to get a great one you know I've read a ton of horrible ones and staff (laughs) horrible all somehow about the similar things horribly bad in very similar ways so I've always felt bad because I I was the I always said I was like when I get to be a showrunner I never said that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to read the first staffing scene. I was like, I'm going to read everybody's thing. I'm going to go through and just really, I'm not going to be a five page reader and down. And then I was like, in two seconds, you I was can't like, do it. five do pages. It. No, no. I'm like, Catholics in the 1800s? No. Why would yeah. you send that to me? Yeah. It's so terrible. What are, uh, you know, you guys have all staffed shows. What, what are mistakes that writers make on the page and what are, what did you respond to positively for people that you did hire? Do you remember? Well, I mean, on this last show, uh, corporate, we had, we hired, um, it was comedy central. We had very small staff. There's three creators, myself. Uh, and then we had a consulting producer and, and two staff writers. And, um, I think we got pretty lucky. Uh, our consulting producer, um, uh, Amelie Gillette um, had worked on shows before, mm-hmm. so she, you know, knew the system. Our staff writers were incredible. Kate Tuline and Heather and Campbell. They um, had written pilots, and and Heather's at SNL and stuff, and and Eric Andre's show, but she had never really written narrative before. So there's a, l- a learning curve there. And then Kate, this was her first, you know, staff writing thing, but she had written a great pilot, and it was just like you're weird and crazy, and it's great. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was really. It was so collaborative, but then at the end of the day, it was sort of, you know, the guys and us, like, you know, getting it to be their voice because it Mm -hmm. is their show. And to me, it was really important to make – because we gave everybody scripts, in some cases two scripts. um, We were very generous uh, about that. Um, Maybe too generous. Um, (laughs) But um, it was very important for me to um, make those – staff writers not feel terrible about being rewritten Mm -hmm. um, and to make their first um, writing experience a pleasant one. And I think that comes from the fact that I got so lucky. I mean, I've gotten so lucky in my career in so many ways, but like narrative television, first staff writer job, Wet Hot American Summer, Michael Showalter and David Wayne, who are people I know since I was 15 years old, who hired me as a grown-up as a writer off of a spec that I I had written, which eventually got bought, and that's a whole other story. Um, I I, I felt a responsibility um, to nurture and make it a fun experience. Um, And they probably won't have a a good time in the next (laughs) show that they work on. (laughs) They probably won't. What what was it in their scripts that you read that you guys responded to? Um, It was just totally original voice that also felt like it could be, um, that they could write to the voice of 
the -hmm. show that we were doing. It was um, uh, it it, it wasn't the same things over and over again. We also um, made a a decision. This is a show that was created by uh, three straight white guys. Um, and I'm another straight white guy. So there was just n- no um, question that we were hiring all women. Um, and th- that was just, you know, so I, di- I didn't read a lot of scripts of white guys trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. My least favorite. There are genre. a lot of them out there. I know there are. <laughs> um, this producer once told me that like 80 percent of scripts are just OK. Um, and 10% of them are amazing. And 10% of them are the worst things you've ever read. And of the 10% that are amazing, those people are always working. And they're hard to, to get. And um, she's like, your scripts fall in the 10%. I don't know, well, which 10%? Um, <laughs> uh, she said the good ones, which was a, a flattering thing to, to hear. But then reading scripts as a showrunner, I was like, wow, she was right. She was right. Yeah, mm, I didn't find that eighty percent well. Um, I, I think I think the I think the the biggest mistake I think in pilot, and again, it's because people are forced into pilots that this is. I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for how difficult yeah. that is. Um, I haven't got my own show on the air, so I get how difficult it is. You know, um, but I think it's lack. It's inactive stories. It is there oh. is introduction, and in it, you really you could say I want to read more than five pages, but really you can tell in two pages, which is a frightening thing to tell young writers. But the truth is you can tell immediately if nothing is happening and I'm just meeting people and almost all the pilots are meeting people all the way through. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to tell a good story. And when you see a good story, something happens immediately. Someone is in a dilemma. There's a real issue. And those just jump to the top because something is happening. So many things are, this is so-and-so is dating so-and-so. And and here's the funny thing that they have and the take that they have. And so many 20-somethings are heading home and you know it just is like and it's not like you couldn't write an amazing version of that you, you totally could but you, it just something has to happen that that you know it's conflict is what comedy is and it just there are so many pilots out there kicking around void of conflict void of anything happening and it has to happen immediately you know for someone to keep reading so i think i think it's that i think it's a i think it's also kind of goes back to what we were talking about before writing to what you think people want instead of some sort of interesting weird thing inside of you. I mean, if something, and this is, I wouldn't want to give this advice kind of too casually, but if something were happening on Mars, you know, right from the top, there is something interesting that someone decided to set something on Mars. Now you could do a horrible version of it's just Mars. And then it's still, I'm returning home from planet, whatever, to my, you know, to my parents on Mars. But like, they're just, you, there is something deep inside of you that is interesting to say, whether that is a very grounded show or that's a very weird and not an heightened show. You have to find the thing that no one is talking about that no one is telling you to write, you know? And, yeah. and I think that so many times people are getting advice on what to write and mm-hmm. what the town is looking for. Ugh. And those things aren't, I mean, the things you do, Misha, sound so interesting to me because they're yeah. just, that's not, no one's making that. That's not what people are doing, you know? And I, those are the shows that I want to see. We also respond to specificity. Yeah, right? absolutely. Universality. Universality. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, Misha. I flip to a random page. So I like take the brat out, drop all the pages on the floor and I pick them up and I look at them because like you said, mm-hmm. you can tell in two pages mm-hmm. if someone can write and you they don't even at- have to be consecutive. Pages. <laughs> they actually do not yeah. have to be That's consecutive pages. You can pick it up and you could go, mm, no, yeah. mm, you could go, oh, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. Read what, another page. What are page. the mistakes you're seeing on any random page? Tough business. It's just not mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I think it's it's not interesting, like you said. It's no. people who don't have a point of view, who are trying to mimic a point of view, which is what which is reading a lot of stuff. Why I stopped reading from the beginning because a lot of it people now have heard. Well, they only read ten pages, so let me try to be. Yeah, and then they just throw the kitchen sink into the first ten pages, and you're like, but what the? <laughs> like, cool, that blew up, and then this happened. But like, what? Yeah. What's going on yeah. in the context of the thing? And so I do that first, and I feel like the people that like I'm keeping interested, then I go, okay, let me put your pages back together and read three random scenes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, let's meet. Because after that, I'm like, if you can write, right. great. Yeah. Right. Um, because it is, it's it's like, this is your original pilot. First of all, this is a thing you've probably spent six months on. Yeah. You're going to get like three days the way our show runs. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's, it's also not indicative of a thing either, which is like a, a lot when playwrights, I'm like, playwrights have so much time on this stuff and then they get to work and workshop Absolutely. it. Like, for I, years. Yeah. yeah. Like, Did you say three days to, to get a script in? Yes. Like, that's that's crazy. Yes. We, like this last yeah. season, we were we were we had a lot of because our uh, star was pregnant. She was eight months pregnant. Oh, right. Right. So we were sh- writing out of order, yeah. shooting out of order, mm-hmm. doing Sorry. a whole wow. thing. But that's TV. Yes, I don't yes exactly. Like, I don't feel like that's great. Like everybody's it's like, not. "That's insane." I'm like, "No." I'm like, "I've written so many." I, I'm, on perfectly ran shows, I've written yeah. scripts in three days. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Have to, yeah. So I was like, so that's my thing. I'm like, the skills of being a TV writer, I think, are very interesting because a lot of them have nothing to do with mm-hmm. writing. Yeah. And if you can write a beautiful Pulitzer Prize winning play in a year, congratulations, yeah. you can't write on TV. <laughs> At least on the shows yeah. I'm running because we <clears throat> don't no. have that time. No, the train's moving. It's yeah. a different no. medium, yeah. So I I look also, it's really weird. I, I'm very clear now that my writing has stemmed from Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. because there were 10 scripts of Lost that were online. Mm-hmm. And I like read them and I was oh, like, wow. oh my God, you're cursing? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And so like that kind of thing, again, it's like, if you're not keeping me interested on, like some people write things, like I've read a script before that was like, and an action sequence happens and it'll be so dope because the action coordinator will mm-hmm. like and I was like that's so accurate what you just did is so true someone who is a professional person <laughs> mm-hmm. will choreograph the fuck that's out great. of this yeah. I was like but what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is what you're do- <laughs> right. your Give me only something. job right. is to make this interesting right. for me and yeah. you're basically just being like but in the end it's going to be cool and I'm like I'm always torn between it because I can put myself in that shoes and go you're right though like you don't have to write this action sequence because someone will choreograph it and make it dope but we've we've talked about this has come up a a few times recently that there is a difference between writing a script to be a sample and there's a script to be shot and a script to enter into you know a fellowship and something like that is there I don't know. I mean, I wrote. Me. I say yes. <laughs> I wrote a spec because um, I was working on Billy on the Street, and um, and I, I said well, you know, this is going to come out, and this is going to be a thing, and I better have a spec. And what? And I just wrote something that I wanted to write, something really personal, and it ended up um, uh, going around town. It got me agents, and it ended up going around town. And everybody, all these production companies really uh, liked it. And Ben Stiller fell in love with it. And he says, I would like to direct this. And then we went and took it to all the networks. And IFC bought it. And IFC um, ordered more scripts. And then IFC is basically a podcast network, so they didn't make it. Um, <laughs> but I, 
I wrote it just not think I didn't think this is going to be made on television. I just wanted to this is what I got today. This is the best I got today. This is just a writing sample. And had this incredible experience mm-hmm. where it, you know, got bought and then sure. got me a job. And that's sort of a best case scenario. Yeah, it's okay. it's the it's the dream scenario. Mm-hmm. Um as I am now in a place where I want to kind of write something again, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm going to return to that. I think I'm just going to return to, but mm-hmm. what do I feel like writing? Sure. I mean, I, I think I saw something happen in the business over the last 10 years to, to your question, which is kind of when I, when I broke in, which was longer than 10 years ago, but um, they were not looking for young writers to create shows. They weren't buying pilots from us. That's not what we did. That's why I could get hired off of a spec because people weren't doing it. About 10 years ago, there was a real tide shift where all of a sudden it was like, well, everything sucks. What do young people, what (laughs) what do people have never done this before have to say? It created a real, it created all kinds of shifts, but specifically to what you're talking about, it created a shift, I think, into what young people are writing to try and get in the business because the focus was no longer show your interesting voice, do what's in your gut. The focus was you might be able to sell this. You know, someone 20th is looking for this thing and someone could be this thing and they want 20 somethings to create stuff. And there are kind of the Liz Merriweathers of the world who were at that age broke in and wrote a network amazing yeah. great thing and I don't know how many things she wrote before that but she was very young and, and wrote a fantastic show that I loved working on there are those people but most people are not those people And but they're still being told well that happened for her this is this and so you could you know we, we might be able to take this out and there's managers and who are now producers and all of this stuff where really what you just need to do is service your voice yes. and if you can service your own voice then you can get the first job then show you're good and get the second the third and the yep. fourth but if you approach it as a something I could sell to make I think it I think it fucks up your whole mind space about trying to. And that's where I think things went a little bit off with what happened to what people were writing. I think Misha's right that it shouldn't probably be different and you should be writing what's in your gut. But I think people are not doing that. And that's what's creating kind of this. They're writing. You think they're writing to sell? I think it's just being told all of these things. Well, so-and-so wants to partner up with me and we can do this. And this pod is saying we can do this. Or, you know, could this be a thing instead of just going, I'm going to write. That's uh, so inorganic. You know, whatever your heart is telling you to write. I I think there became the, the marketplace changed specs to some degree. I, I think, think you're right. And I think it's also changing back now that yeah, there are I think, other outlets I, I where think you can maybe. make a better things or some yeah. or, or a stranger thing. Yeah. For that but I also or think maybe. a little bit of it too that I find when we talk about have that conversation is I go, do you even like to write? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. do you like to write? Yeah. Because it doesn't sound to me like you like to write. Yeah. I love yeah. to write. Yeah. Like I will sit there and move a word back and yep. forth on a script just being like, I don't know. I don't know. The feeling there. How about here? Oh, this is so That's great. why I'm there till 6 a.m. I yeah. know what you mean. Right. I, no, but that is. And I told you we cracked it. It's we the thing it that I am always, when like younger writers come to me, I go, do you love to write? Because if you don't love to write, then I can make this so much easier for you. Like, this is not, like, you're doing too much. <laughs> do something like, else. Yeah. Yeah, well, not even do something else. I'm like, go get staffed on a show. Just go get a staffed on a show and be on a show. And, you know, you will But to me, it, it's always that thing where I'm just like, I love breaking story. 
and I love writing and I'm not doing it to have my own show. I'm doing it because that's the thing I love to do. And when I got my first staff writing gig, I was just like, what is this going to be like? I get my own office. Oh my God. You're (laughs) paying me how much? This is great. I could do this for the rest of my life. And then I took a bad road and became a showrunner. But that's the thing. So I'm always, when it's like, what should I write or how should I do this? Or like, give me notes on a thing. I'm like, okay, but I'm giving you notes on a thing and I'm trying to help you become a better story person. But you have to love story to become a better story person. And I think that's a lot of what I see the disconnect of it where I'm like, you're trying to write something, which is what I said to writing towards a certain thing. I'm like, you're writing to a certain thing because your goal is not to be a writer, which you currently are. That's when you write something, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to really be a showrunner. Right. And that's not a, a writer. You're not yeah. in the writing. Yeah. You do, you do so much less. I mean, you do so much more writing as a showrunner and then also so much less writing yeah. as a showrunner. Yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Um, I, but I, I just love sitting and breaking story. Mm-hmm. I could do it forever. You know, and and there are some people who that is torturous to. Mm-hmm. But to me, that is writing. And then I love the torture of like, okay, story broken. Now I'm now I'm on script. You know, or even worse, now I'm on outline. And um and that feeling of like I talk to other writers and like uh, uh, being on outline, I'm like, hey, when you're on outline, are you borderline suicidal? Like, yes, every time, every time. And then you finish it. And then that feeling of finishing that outline, it, it, it is the, it's, I am a genius. And then you take it to the room and they tell you what's wrong with they it. They tell you what's wrong with it <laughs> yeah. and you make it better. And yeah. if you don't love that process, like I love, even when I'm feeling borderline suicidal, I love it because I get to write for a living. I get to tell stories. I get to make up stuff with my friends. All I've ever wanted to do since I was a kid is make up stories with my friends. Mm-hmm. And that's what I get to do now. And I love it. See, I feel like I also don't understand that because the borderline suicidal part comes after I've finished it and <laughs> you have to like do stuff and, you know, like for me, literally, like I'm like, do, 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 this is the best thing ever. And then they're like, and now we have to do all this other stuff because you wrote it, right? And I'm like, but the writing was the part I liked. Can we just. <laughs> oh, I don't stay? like, I don't like sitting on set Can we stay watching it over and over again. There? That's cool over there. But I've, those are books. <laughs> which is. I, has been said to me so many times. They're like, well, that's writing a book. Write a book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not quite the same it's thing. Yeah. It's like the yeah. medium. It's it's also the medium of the script, which is you know this thing that a lot of people do not believe in. Yeah. That I believe in. That that this is an art form in and of itself, yeah. and not just a blueprint into making a movie, selling soap. Yeah, so right? that's right. what they say. What yeah. we do, at least network TV. <laughs> and so I'm like, to me, I'm just like that's that's the fun of it in scripts, and it's probably because I started reading scripts. That's how I started. Mm-hmm. My like from this, and so I just have read so many scripts. I'm like, oh my god, that was so exciting at the script. What <laughs> happened, guys? Like that was such a cool sequence. Yeah. Do you um, remember early on what scripts were sort of watershed for you? What does watershed mean? What were important to you important, and showed you okay. what this, what um, the medium was capable of? The lost scripts were mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, What's interesting about that? I, I was thinking about this earlier when you were. Uh, talking about reading other people's material or potential staffers' material, uh, I think a lot of people took the wrong lessons from Lost, 
which Lost was so about the characters, mm-hmm. and then stuff happened also. <laughs> but I think a lot of the things that came after Lost were so much about the stuff happens. Right, because I, it's so characters. much harder to... The character stuff is so much harder. Of stuff course. happens, you can do stuff happens. Yeah. Werewolves, they change, mm-hmm, things right. happen. Especially if you're leaning in on those five to right. ten pages. To find that kind of layer under... Like, for instance, uh, you know, Buffy is... I'm a huge Buffy fan. I was yeah. like, obsessed. It's crazy. Um, but that metaphor, understanding the genre is a metaphor yeah. for the thing. Like, as a high school girl, you encounter all these monsters in your life, and mm-hmm. they also happen to be monsters. That, to me, I think was the ground for everything I stand on at this point, because I'm always just like, ooh, what can we do that's cool? But then how do we wrap it around and make it about this person? Um, But Shane Black's scripts are Mm -hmm. also just so fun. Like, you just read his scripts, and you're just like, you're having fun, which makes me understand how fun this movie can be, and which is always interesting. Um, horror movie scripts because I'm always just like how do you write action physical stuff yeah. happening when there's no dialogue you'll see a lot of scripts and they're just dialogue 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 it's like he walks into the bedroom and you're like okay but there's so many things yeah. that <laughs> yeah. can happen when you yeah. walk through right. and I remember from the start that a lot of people were like you just write your writing is really thick you're like which is the thing they're like maybe you want to be a novel writer uh-huh. because your writing's really thick and I'm like but then you get all the details for mm-hmm. instance like a um, like you in episode three, the character has a gunshot wound and she's trying to close it with gunpowder and a match. And then the match blows out and then she has to use the gun. I'm like, the match blowing out. It's the coolest yeah. part <laughs> yeah. of this whole thing. Absolutely. And, you know, that took up two little yeah. lines right. that you probably would have been like, oh, we can cut that right. out. Hmm. But I think to me, it's details. Movies make the most interesting to me is details and in scripts when there's details mm-hmm. on the page. Yeah. I'm like, yes. yes. It's interesting. Um, All right. Uh, We do need to wrap up. So let me ask you guys what you are watching on TV these these days. What are you uh, excited about, inspired by? What are you talking about with your friends, your loved ones, your rooms? Uh, Jake, starting with you. Um, I just rewatched all of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip uh, because it's the 10th anniversary. And um, um, I'm going to write a new episode of Studio 60. Uh, uh, Finally, fi- you know, to j- just for fun. Um, uh, no, I'm I'm watching uh, uh, Twin Peaks, obviously, uh, which I watched as it came out, um, and it's and it's been very exciting. Um, I, I loved Fleabag. Mm-hmm. I think that that's in, incredible, and um, and and yeah, those are those are the, the things that I've been Great. been watching. The, 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 it's just so exciting to have Twin Peaks back, and then and it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's it's everything I wanted it to be, and more, and more. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. And um, uh, it's nice to see David Lynch on Showtime. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, it, it. My mind boggles that that show was on ABC, but it was. Yeah, you know. But now ABC has American Idol. <laughs> Which I heard David Lynch is also directing. Yeah, he Weird. is. It's going to be very, very strange. Weird choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Daniel. Uh, let's see. I just finished uh, season three of Catastrophe. So great. Um, I've loved that show. Fleabag, I think, is probably the favorite. My favorite thing I've seen in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. I, I think that wow. is as funny. I'm so sad that I think she's done, right? It was based on a one-woman show she's not doing I anymore. So. Yeah. Which what? is just so, 
just feel so sad that that's all <laughs> that there was of that. But I do it's like to say in these conversations what I, what I do watch daily or they collect up is General Hospital. I've watched it Amazing. from my time I was five until like wow. college I stopped. And so I watched with my mom and then college and then in my 20s I stopped and then I got back and I'm back in. And I did that there is just something that I'm very proud that that is Wait. one of my all is it favorite as good shows. as it was when you were five? It's the same. But there's something Roberts, wonderful yeah. about that that I like. Mm-hmm. The, the creature of comfort. There's something yeah, about those people right. being my friends, you know, that I enjoy. And I think what it speaks to, because I think about it, because it's such a funny answer, That's certainly amazing. in these circles of like, what do I watch? But I, I absolutely record it. Um, I went and took a tour of the studio one day and pretended oh like I didn't God. know how to make TV. every day, right? Yeah, it comes right. on every day. This five, is what I want to ask about. Yeah. Like, I'm watching like four shows consistently. And I don't have time. Yeah. But you're watching a show that's on every day. Yeah, usually I'll work out, so I have a treadmill, so I'll, I'll work out during it. Or it's oftentimes, to be honest, it's what I would put on if I got home at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And my brain just couldn't shut off yet, and I'm scared of, of like, Ativan and stuff. Right. And sort of, like, <laughs> well, a I lot of people take, put on yeah, HGTV, the, you put on... And, I, just, and I kind of let my brain unwind to what is what is going on. So great. Um, so that is the show. 400 of these yeah, podcasts. no one's ever... No th- one has that's said... That's why wow. I like to admit the truth of, so. of that that is... It just is... Awesome. Um, there's something, but I know in me that is a character. I am a character-driven person, and hmm. there is nothing more character-driven than soap than operas. Soaps, yeah. And it's characters hilarious. can even die and come back. That's how character-driven <laughs> yeah. these things are. Are you so. going to write? One? one, please. I mean, I have so many agents. I said, some point if things one. get too, t- it's just too much. <laughs> I'm just going to go. But soaps are hard, so I went and pretended like I didn't know anything with with a good friend of mine. This was years ago now to go see a taping, oh and they showed me how TV was made, and I was like, "It's very interesting." But it actually is extremely interesting. They kind of pre light. They shoot like sixty mm-hmm. pages a day. Yeah. I mean, from an acting and writing perspective, it is, it is probably way. You know, I probably would love it, and you know, maybe go do it. But that is a really difficult thing to kind of do and execute. One take and they move on. I mean, yeah. it just is. It was really kind That's of. So neat. I did learn something <laughs> about how they make. I would usually love get to. Some Will you come be a co-host on Absolutely. that? Oh my god! If they're general hospital writers, I mean, I'll do it no matter right, what. We'll yeah. See what we can During do. the strike, actually, the the last strike. Thankfully, we didn't have one this time. I so we had to sign in, and. I saw some people and you were supposed to write your show and right before me were these people writing it. They were general hospital writers and I for three hour shifts, I would just follow them around. Every time I saw them, I'm sure they were sick of me. I was like, let's talk more. Come on, let's walk together. We're just walking in a loop Amazing. anyway. Come on. Um, but so yeah, that's that's, great. that's what I'm watching. Is general hospital here or in New York? It's here. Great. We're going to do that. <laughs> Misha, what are you watching these days? Um, I'm doing the same thing that you're doing, but I can't go as far to yeah. the <laughs> brain shutting off. So I'm watching comedies because mm-hmm. I used so Carmichael's show. Oh. I'm actually catching up on Netflix and one day at a time. Yeah. Oh, That's so great. good. Yeah. 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 I'm just yeah. like, I'm seeing, I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is so. This it really anybody? did it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it like, really does did anybody it. Um, that. You know, The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. I will follow Damon Lindelof anywhere, yeah. except for the last season of Lost. Um, <laughs> didn't watch that. but You didn't even you watch did? it? Oh, no. But I actually didn't have the things that I feel like everyone else had with it. Because from day one, I was like, they have no idea what they're no. doing. <laughs> this is so yeah. obvious, yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, why would you be confused? Like, every, there was so much backlash about that. I was like, no idea what they're doing. And I love it. Great. Great. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, so um, The Leftovers, yeah. and I just finished Black Sails. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that good? Yeah. Yeah? 
I was totally into black sales. I was like, man. And I was like, they have a shit ton of money. What is yeah. this? That's right? what I thought when I it's watched The Crown. I loved show. The Crown. That was something yeah. I watched. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just look at it and go, it's like I'm watching, what am I seeing? I mean, how many, what, how does Netflix have all this fucking money? Where is this money coming from? <laughs> I've actually done, <laughs> the, ma- I've done the math and <laughs> like you, you you figure, what? oh, what the average subscriber pays, I don't know, is nine, that really you know, and they is? have 150 million subscribers and a number comes up when I did the math, like, okay, that times it, and like a number came up on my phone that had a letter in it. Like <laughs> they have the I money, guess, they have the money, and they're wonderful. They've been wonderful yeah. to work with, and and um, you know, but you know, we'll yeah. see, we'll see. Yeah. But I also think also the con- the thread between all of these shows is doing stories that you don't like mm-hmm. different stories. Like even on Black Cells, their main character is a gay man, like a bisexual man, and I'm just like, yeah. Wow! Yeah. Like black cells. Yeah. Who, who would have knew? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, and it's to me, it's that I love that aspect of it when you're just like, oh, someone's out here just being aggressive and telling yeah. stories, yeah. Yeah. telling something interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which I, again, if people take nothing else from this podcast, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go write those. Stories. And I guarantee you, General Hospital is telling very interesting stories on a I'm daily basis. Now, really curious because having met you, I'm like, oh wait, that's right. Like now, I need to go see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Well, I really thank you. appreciate it. Was awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 